T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Mike's on. He's ready to go. the studios at WFAN. This is Mike's on Francesca on the fan on this Friday the 13th, week two in the National Football League. we got a very busy show, obviously, Aaron Boone later on. Uh, we got Gary Danson as we open up the SEC schedule with him. Uh, so we got some college football there. we got everything from week two. we got Dr. O'Brien on all the jet injuries, including how long he thinks uh, the quarterback will be out with mono. So we'll get to that, too. But uh, it's a special week here as uh, Tony Page, who is uh, an old friend, is calling it a uh, career. He's smart enough to get out of here. (laughs) Very smart. And uh, so we asked Tony if he'd come by and stop in. Uh, It wasn't that many years ago, Tony, that your mom knitted my twins Ah. blankets, which we still have. Oh, man, you're kidding. Absolutely. The pink pinstripe and the uh, blue pinstripe blankets that your mother made for me. I love your mother, so she did a great job. That was very nice of her then. I have one left. Remember that? She made those for my twins. Absolutely. My twins still have They're now 14. My son's playing football this afternoon. He's 14, so he, and he's five foot eleven. So he's uh, 150 pounds. So he's grown. Nice. Uh, so uh, and my daughter's in high school. So that's a long time ago that uh, you delivered those blankets. So, but uh, it, how does it feel this week? Uh, you got a couple more shows left, right? Two, two more left. One uh, Saturday morning at 2 a.m. and Saturday right. uh, night at 10, and then uh, that's it. So how many years? 16. 16. 16 years, three months. Now you were around before that, but 16 now full year. Yeah. You used to be Started, a guest all the time, obviously. Yep. But you, 95 when it started. Doing right. One one hour, uh, one show a week, uh, Saturday, Sunday mornings from 1 to 6. And then you, it's been 16 years that you've consecutively been on. Very direct. So what are you going to do now? What, you know, what, what, what's got something special planned? Do some writing. The, the Daily News wants me to write two two stories a month. Good. And uh, I go back to do some boxing for international TV and uh, want to do a oh, book. Good. And oh, good. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, Photography is a ha- hobby of mine, so I get to take some pictures. I, I gave you a little something. something that was so, very uh, nice. Very <laughs> nice. Uh, absolutely. So this is a big week. This week. Do you feel uh, a little divided? Do you feel sentimental about the whole thing or what? I think it's going to hit me a week from Saturday when I wake up at 7 o'clock instead of rolling in at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've booked a nap for sun, sat, uh, Monday at 2 o'clock. I'm taking a nap in the afternoon. Really? Yeah, well, want... you're used to that anyway. So, well, no, you know... no, I get up at 2 o'clock. Right. So now what I want to do is just get the body back to... to Regular no... days. It's funny how, how Monday my body really starts to slow down. I haven't done anything. And I said, the body says you're going to work tonight, you're going to be up all night, so we're slowing you down. Now I get to stay up a little bit. Did you, you have anything special planned for the last show? David Stern will be on at uh, 10 o'clock, former NBA commissioner. Oh, yeah. when, when I used to cover the NBA back in the, right. the early 90s, he was always a good One of my favorite guests. Yes. Yeah, the he, acerbic one, which was always great because, you know, he always came in and he was always, you know, we had two guests that were always very curmudgeonly. 
One was George Young, <laughs> yeah. and the other one was David Stern. He used to come in and love to argue. So, you uh-huh. know, fight, argue about different things. And I remember we told him how wrong he was when he was going to that new TV setup. Mm-hmm. And he fought us like cat and dog. And he turned out to be right, you know, that's because he, it, it worked well for his league. But he, we were like, when he left NBC and he was all over the place, and you couldn't find the games and everything else, we were killing him. And it, but it turned out he made his league a lot of money. So it turned out to be a good idea. Yeah, so he's, Smart guy, as yes, a matter of fact. Yes, he yeah. changed the league. So we can't wait to have him. I got a George Young story for you. Go ahead. When I was working for the City Sun newspaper years ago, I called up George Young Cole. Didn't go to the PR uh, department. Wanted to talk to him about black quarterbacks. And it turned into not black quarterbacks, but him teaching in school and what, yep. what kids and, and how Carl Douglas, who was a black quarterback with the Colts, wouldn't listen to, didn't want to listen to Johnny Unitas. Now he can't teach me nothing. And, and we had a long conversation, and I, and I put the story in the paper. And a guy calls me up at the paper and says, why'd you put George Young in the, in the black newspaper? I said, well, you're a Giant fan? He said, yeah. Aren't you at least interested in the guy who put the team together? He said, oh, that is. That is. So when you and Dog had some anniversary at the All-Star Cafe, right. he was standing there. Woke he up was to one him. of our yeah. great guests. He might have been the best guest, continually the best guest we ever had. Well, he looked at me like, oh, who are you? And I said, I, Tony Page. Oh, black quarterbacks. And he remembered everything. Everything had been years. Smart. And he was, he, a, was. he was a school teacher. Yes. And he yes. was an offensive lineman with those, you know, Shula Colts. Yep. Yeah, and, then, yep. and then the Dolphins. And then obviously came on to turn the Giants' fortunes around. But George used to act like he didn't want to come on. <laughs> but if you gave away, like, one year at the Super Bowl, we didn't have him on on Friday at 5 o'clock. And he said, that's my spot. Oh. So he like he, that was it was his spot every year. He did five o'clock on at Friday at the Super Bowl, and he used to love to come on and he act like he didn't want to be on, but he loved to be smart on. Smart man, he, very very smart man, very wise guy, and a historian. He was a history teacher mm-hmm. in high school, as you know, and uh, a very good football guy. And the Giants, you know, they could use a George Young. You know, things haven't gone well lately. They could use someone who knew how to build a team like he did. He, he did a great job. He told me about a, a quarterback he had in high school that was being recruited by Ohio State, Oklahoma, and he went into his office. Look at all these. You're not going to make it there. He said, "You got a chance to go to Princeton and Harvard." That's your future. And he, that's where he wound up. And that was uh, Kurt Smock who became the mayor of Baltimore. How about that? How about that? That's something yeah. else. He was a Baltimore. Yeah, that's where, he, that's where he taught. It was yeah. in Baltimore. Yeah, that's where he was from. You know, uh, you're a boxing guy. You've always been a boxing guy. One thing you've seen is for the rank and file, there was a time where we went to bo- fights. Yep. There was a time where... My show would do fights. Remember, we were down. Trump, yep. Trump had dog and I go down. Yep. Remember, mm-hmm. Atlantic City, Foreman and, and Holyfield, yep. all those you guys, guys were there. He was coming down the escalator with Marla Maples <laughs> to do the show. Remember the whole thing? Yeah. He had to give the big appearance coming down with Marla. See, the whole we've thing. seen that before, haven't yeah, we? Absolutely. Yeah, same thing. It was the same gig when he came down to go for, run for president. He came down the escalator the same day to come on the show that day, and he brought us down to do the show. He had us do that three or four different times, but. They have no, we have no more boxing no. events. No. So can you get your sport back on track? No. The, the biggest problem is if you, you, you're a champion with one network and I'm a champion with another network, we can talk all we want. You, I'm not letting my fighter go to your network to lose and I lose my investment and you're not letting your guy come to my network. So I don't know how to get it worked out, but there's going to be a lot of great fights that won't happen in this era and that's going to kill the sport even more. It's unbelievable. So you got the promoters... Owning the guys, and they won't let anybody no. get in between anybody. No. That's no. it. It's, they can make fights with their own fighters, 
which is, you know, that's fine, but that's not the big fight that fans want to see. It used to be a time, and you know from back in the day, everybody knew who the heavyweight champ was, who the middleweight champ was. There's so many organizations, nobody knows who's anything anymore. But you know what? Fighting went, it got farmed out internationally. We're not producing great fighters in our country anymore. They're coming no. from all over the world, but they're not coming from America anymore. We're well, not look, producing look at, great athletes as fighters anymore. Look at the Olympics. We don't win that anymore. No, we, we, used to we, win. we used to have, oh. and it was always, you know, it was the melting pot. You had Italian fighters, then yep. you had yep. Irish fighters, mm-hmm. Jewish, Jewish fighters, yep. black fighters. Now, I, I guess everyone's making enough money every other sport that they don't want to box anymore. No, no, you know, it, it's, it's so funny because there were always kids in the gym training, training for the Olympics. You get a gold medal... In the old days, they were off. All the promoters were fighting to get you to sign. They got a signing bonus. We got this. Even the gold medals. And, oh, good, good for you. Then they don't care anymore. And and you don't. What network is available? You can go to ESPN, Showtime, but you don't have HBO anymore. And then the zone is is. I don't know how that's going to work out. So far, so good. But you, you know, know, the zones. It's got a place. You know, it's got a, a place. But listen, one thing is that boxing will sell on TV. If you give somebody oh, yeah. a big fight, people will pay for it. You know, they'll 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 pay for it. They'll pay pay per view for it. Look how hey. Look how much money these boxers make. I mean, look how yeah. much money the big guys, they make a fortune. They make an incredible amount of money. Just too bad if they could promote them better because, you know, you got to pay 90 bucks to watch this fight. You and I might know that's a good fight. The average person doesn't know, so they're like, am I going to wait? I, I don't know if I should spend that kind of money. But there's a, about maybe 300,000 people who will buy these pay-per-view all Always. the time. And that, but that makes you're making money with that. A lot of money. A lot of money. We're talking with Tony Page. He's got a show. Now, what's the schedule? You got a show today? Uh, Two o'clock in the morning. And then one more after that. 10 o'clock uh, Saturday night. All right. And uh, Stern, is that going to be the final guest? That's going to be the last Stern, one? Stern, Bill Madden will be on. And right. we'll do a little football with Dottino and, and um, uh, Costello. Uh, was trying to get uh, Willie Randolph on, but we've been going back and forth. We've had him on a lot of times, but that's, that's okay. We'll, who's we'll, your, do you have a favorite guest through the years? Yeah, you have a go-to guy? Who's your, who's but, your, do you have a go-to guest? Yeah. I want to ask you your favorite caller is because they're all your favorites. Nah, yeah, but who's your not. favorite guest? Do you have one? I, he's not alive anymore. John Isaacs. He played for the Harlem Wrens, right. and he was 89 years old, still working out and, and teaching kids in, in the Boys and Girls Club up in the Bronx. He was the first boy wonder in basketball. He played on the 1939 first world championship team, went right out of high school into the pros, had to get his mother to sign the, uh, the, the uh, permission slip. And he was up all hours of the night, like a lot of old guys. And, and he had great stories about playing in the South and, and, and how we played in the, in the Renaissance uh, Casino in Harlem. We always dressed up because we were trying to set an, uh, an example for everybody, for the kids. We, and I, I remember I came up to his... The team, the Harlem Wrens, went into the Hall of Fame up in Springfield. The coach, Bobby Douglas, is in. Pop Gates, who played on the team, is in. John was on the bubble, and he died, and then he got into the Hall of Fame. But I went up to the, to the, the boys' club, and we were shoot, doing some photo shoots on him on a story. And we were playing basketball, just tossing the ball around. And I just drive the lane, you know, like anybody. And he hit me with a hip <laughs> and dropped me. And he said, you know you're not supposed to be driving the hip, you little guy. <laughs> still at 89, he still had that, that, that athlete's mentality. I, you know, I loved him. Well, now, obvi- who was your favorite fighter? Ali. And I got to spend some time he with did. him when he, when he could still speak. He did. Ever did a, so you did a full-blown interview yeah. with him when he was still together and he could speak and he could tell you stories and everything else? When his book came out uh, that Tom Hauser wrote, uh, they invited me, and I was I was honored. About four other writers, we went on a uh, bus trip with him up to this training camp in in uh, Pennsylvania, and he was he was 
you know, clear as a bell. They said even when he couldn't speak, he still was pretty conscious oh, yeah. of what was going oh, yeah. on, but he couldn't speak anymore. But he, you got him when he was earlier than that. You know, Dave Anderson used to say that Ali just had to just walk in. You didn't even have to do any work. Or you no. just had to sit there and take notes. No. When, he, when they opened up the Mirage and had Leonard fight Duran, which was a horrible fight, they brought in Ali. And, and I've never saw the press just trip over themselves to get a picture and, and, and take his, get an autograph. So he's standing by the buffet by himself. And I walked over to him and said, I don't want an autograph. I don't want a picture. I just want to say thanks for all the things you did. Make it easy for somebody like me. And he put his finger up, and, and I said, he's going to give me some pearls of wisdom. And I got up to his, his mouth. He said, you're not as dumb as you look. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, I know he said that to a million people, so I'm a million and one. I, I, I took it. You know, I, I never interviewed I would have loved to have oh. interviewed Muhammad Ali. I mean, as a kid, you know, I used to go in when I was young. My brother would let me, he, my brother John uh, mm-hmm. was six years and a couple of months older than me. And he said, if you get up the money, I'll take you to the pay-per-view. So he took me to the pay-per-view, all those fights. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was 13, 14 years old. And right. I, he took me to the fights. And we had to pay like 25 bucks to go yes. to the pay-per-view. Yes. So I saw Ali Frazier. I saw, the, you know, Ali Foreman. I saw anything that had in the movies. We yep. saw, and I was there one night when the movie went out. Like the, you know, it, it mean, went out and they almost tore the theater apart. I, I mean, it was unbelievable. I, I was at the Green Acres Shopping Center in Valley Stream watching the movie, w- watching the pay per view, and it went out one night and they went crazy. I watched the fight in Harlem. It was a bunch of heavyweights, but Joe Frazier was fighting uh, somebody. And it had a screen set up back to back, so you had chairs going away from both screens. And the, the main event starts. They ring the bell for the first round of Joe Frazier's fight, and the, the projector on our side blows up. I mean, like with the bell, boom. Everybody picks up their chair and runs to the other side. They're fighting and moving and kicking. So me and this guy are sitting there like it doesn't make any sense. It was a blurred picture. So he had a bottle of wine, so we shared a bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's amazing, though, but think about it, how big boxing was in those days. People would run to pay 25 bucks to watch a little grainy picture. See, you remember. You remember. I I saw Ali Frazier, some long-since torn-down movie theater in the South Bronx. Waited outside at 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock in the cold to get in. Right. We get in. I'm figuring, okay, the undercard. At the worst, we're going to see some cartoons. We saw nothing. There was a grid pattern. We cheered That's the cursor it. going back and forth. And when it came on, it was no sound. It was in black and white, and we couldn't hear anything. I'm telling you, you paid 25 bucks. 25 and I have, yep, $25. And, and to see those, I mean, think about how much, that, that was so big. I always said this, you know, I, I've been asked a lot of times, where, where would I like to have done the show? and had the Mike and the Middle show or my show uh, where we could go to any event, I would have loved to have been in the garden on March 8th, 71, where we could have done our show. Like we get in there, like we do for all big events, get in there one o'clock, the event's not to like 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And we got like five hours to interview everybody. Like we did when the Knicks were great or did during the world series or anything else. And be in that building and watch that building fill up that day, oh. which was a who's who. Right, oh, Sinatra, yeah. Burt Lancaster. Well, I mean, Tommy Kendall. I mean, who think was, about it. Tommy Kendall was one of the great PR people with the Garden back then. And and I said, how was the ticket request? He said, every Tom, Dick, and Muhammad wants a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> he said, because I don't think when Ali did the weigh-in, he didn't leave. No, the Sinatra arena. was taking pictures yes, for the magazine. Life, Life magazine. Life magazine. Yep, yep. You had Jill St. John sitting there. You had this one, that one. You I, know, and I just, everybody. I didn't realize. They said uh, Hubert Humphrey, the former vice president, he was sitting in the third tier, the third, third level. He couldn't get in on the, on the floor. Yeah, it's. It was uh, who's who. You know, yes. you, you had to be big to have a ticket. Oh, yeah. You know, that was a big day. Bigger but that big. would have been the best day I could think of to be to have that kind of show and just watch the garden fill up for that kind of event. Because mm-hmm. you know what? I've never I never went to the garden for a big box. You know, the, the Knicks was such a dramatic 
even the range in 94, mm-hmm. but I was talking to Graves this morning. I did a uh, the FDNY breakfast, which I do every uh, year this week for mm-hmm. the 9-11. Uh, for the fire department, and uh, Graves was one of the celebrities there today, and we were talking about it. it's been 26 years since they won a championship. Yeah. You know, since not, everyone talks about you know Rangers winning the Cup '94, 26 years ago, That's a long time. which is amazing when you think about it. But you think about that week and that time where they did 49 playoff games, Knicks and Rangers, mm-hmm. that year. Yes, Dog and I went to 30. He figured it out one time because you know him with his list. He figured it out <laughs> one time we were we were at 37 of the 49 because we did away a lot of times at home. Mm-hmm. We did all the home games. 49, 30, we were at 37 of the 49 games for the two teams. During how how that was it on the road doing it? It was wild. You know, a couple of times we had to split up because they had games. In the, like, he went with the Rangers. I went with the Knicks. And Knicks were playing Indiana. I did the series with the Knicks and Pacers. And he was away doing the, the Rangers that same day. And we would do the show together. He would be at the Rangers site. I would be at the Knicks site. Okay. And we would split it when they had a conflict. But I could tell you this. We were talking about it last night. We were, uh, I mean, today we were in Vancouver. Rangers are having game five at home to, to, to win the cup. They lose. They have to go back to Vancouver. We will, in Vancouver on Saturday night, they lose game six. We were on our way to Houston for the next Houston, the next night okay. in Houston. And we were in the airport in Seattle at like six in the morning, sleeping on the floor, waiting for a <laughs> connection to Houston from Vancouver that night. And I still remember that to this day. I'm, I'm in an airport lying on the floor with dog at six o'clock in the morning, waiting for a flight to Houston. And then we got stuck in Houston. You know, dogs well, cheering for a game seven. Right. We're, I'm want the Knicks to win a championship. Dogs cheering for a game seven because you always cheer for game seven. Right. Right. And. We had to stay in Houston from Sunday all the way to Wednesday. It was like a thousand degrees in Houston. We yes. had to wait for three extra days for the game seven, then they <laughs> lost. So uh, you know that, that's how '94 went. So it seems like yesterday, but it's it, not. It's, it's been a while. It goes fast. Though. It does. It really does. The 16 years, I bet you, has gone fast. It has. It? It, it's funny because a lot of people remember when my youngest son was born. Just like you know, your your children. Yep. Like, you know, he's going to be 21 next month. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and you know, you help people get through their uh, people dying. They help me get through my mother and father dying. So it's, it's, you know, it's one hand washes the other. Well, listen, we'll take a break now because they went out and they, uh, they got you a cake. So I hope they got you more than a cake, but they got you a <laughs> cake at least. So let me take a quick break with Tony. We'll be right back. We're back. We're coming to you live from the Town Fair Tire Studios, powered by Town Fair Tire. Nobody beats Town Fair Tire. Nobody. we got a lot to get to. we got a lot of football to do and everything else. Aaron Boone later on also. Um, as we are reminiscing with Tony Page, who has a couple of shows left here on the fan. And we're chatting during the uh, commercial about all these guys. Was there one guy, Tony, you ever wanted to get an interview that you didn't have? Was there one of these? Now, you were one of the big boxing writers, so you got all the boxing guys. Was there ever one guy you really... Like, I always wanted to interview DiMaggio. We could not get DiMaggio to the microphone. Even Ted Williams, who Dog and I interviewed, said, I'll talk to DiMaggio for you. Mm. Could not get DiMaggio to sit down to do an interview. Always wanted to. Could not get him to do an interview. Bert Sugar brought DiMaggio to a fight in Atlantic City once, and we, he said, we didn't know what to do. Do, do we talk to him? And, and how you doing, Joe? Doing fine. Said, oh, so we started talking to him, and I said, Bert, my radio show? He said, I'll try. He might do it. But the one guy I wanted, Jackie Robinson. That's the one guy I wanted, because my grandmother, she's responsible for me doing all this. She dragged me to Shea Stadium on Senior Citizens Day. Walking down the stairs. She was a big fan? Big baseball Dodge, fan? Dodger fan. Dodger fan. And see, okay. this is, now you know about, I know about fans now. Back then, she said, we used to go to Yankee Stadium. My father would take us there. She said, I'm not setting foot in Yankee Stadium. I'm like, why not? You're three stops on the D train. No, it's Yankee Stadium. I'm a Dodger fan. I'm not going to Yankee Stadium. How about that? Would not go. Really? So we're going down the stairs. This tall black man with white hair. Everybody's around him. I said, who's that? Because I was 10. She said, that's Mr. Jackie Robinson. Wow. And I said, 
who's Mr. Jackie Robinson? She said, first colored man, her words, first colored man to play in pro ball. And I looked at him and said, he's not 200 years old. She said, no, colored man couldn't play since until 1947. I'm like, why not? Because he's colored. That makes no sense. He said, exactly. And we saw him a second time in, in Chock Full Nuts near uh, Macy's. Chock Full Nuts, yes. right? Yes. And he said, isn't that Mr. Jackie Robinson? And she said, yeah, let's go say hello. I said, no, no, he's eating. We're going to leave him alone. That's, I, just, I told Rachel a story. She gets a kick out of it. But I, that's the one guy I would have loved to have yeah, I, I, that would have been. I could think that would be extremely interesting. I mean, another one, you know, have the life that, that he had. You know, who used to tell us, Jack, and he's so well portrayed in the movies, is Branca, who was so good to yes, Jackie, and, yes. and and you know wasn't in any way bigoted or anything, and he he worshipped Jackie, and he used to tell these stories, and he was a good storyteller. He would tell these stories about Jackie, mm-hmm. and they talked about Jackie like Jackie was. He said he was unbelievable how good a player he was. He said it was just amazing how good a player he was. I did a, a, a some press conference that on Park Avenue. I think it might have been the NFL. I don't know what it was, but anyway, we're outside. The riders were talking. And I, I forget who was with us. And a guy walked up to him and he said, hey, so-and-so. And we turned. He said, oh, let me, hey, guys, this is Ralph Branker. I'm like, huh? <laughs> where, where did he come from? He, we worked in the area. He was in the area for some reason. So we, there's Ralph Branker. Just lucky to be at that, that spot at that time. Uh, yeah, you know, you see that movie and he's he comes out. He's depicted very well in yeah. that movie because yeah. he was very good to him. While a lot of the other guys, you know, didn't come off as well. You no, know? no. But Stanky even came off well. Stanky never had a yeah, great reputation, no. but he comes off well in the movie. Like, he did. you know, that he, if, it's, if it's true, I don't know exactly how, how much they are the truth there, but Stanky stuck up for him and, you know, he, he did a good job. Yes, I wish more people would knew knew about Jackie and what he went through because I coached high school baseball a couple of years and, and when we're giving out the numbers I said I don't care who anybody I got 42 <laughs> so a guy goes to me oh Mariano Rivera <laughs> no no Jackie <laughs> hey there's a lot of major players that don't even know I, about Jackie Robinson. Well, remember Vince that, Coleman right, yes. and, oh jeez yeah, and he went to Florida A&M, and I went there. Uh, uh, I didn't realize you coached baseball yeah high uh, Sound high school for two years uh, really yeah then they uh, they Unceremoniously got rid of the coach. He said, no, that's unfair. So I'm not coming back. But, really? Uh, yeah, coach a little high. In fact, uh, I coach. Well, I talk, a lot of guys here. Other than boxing, what's your favorite sport? Baseball. It was? Yeah. Baseball. Baseball is still. What, what, was your fa- what team did you root for growing up? Mets. Okay. I'm just sorry. It's the Mets. Who's your favorite player? What player? Willie, you- Willie Mays. Willie, Willie Mays. Mays. I got into an argument with a caller on, on, on the, the fan once. He said, oh, you, you saw Willie Mays when he was with the Mets in 73. He said, I don't remember you sitting next to me in 64 at Shea Stadium when we watched the Giants play, or 65 or 66. So when I was at Yankee Stadium, when he was, they were experimenting with him batting leadoff. Because all of us, we were all Giant fans, all my guys going up. And so we wanted to see what William McCovey would do with the short porch. And he actually hit a line drive home run. It was still going up when it hit the upper deck. Yeah, you know, I used to go to City. I, I, I was a Yankee fan my whole life, but mm-hmm. I used to go to, to, Shea, to Shea Stadium as a kid because it was much easier for me to go to, uh, mm-hmm. to Shea Stadium than it was Yankee Stadium. I lived in Long Beach, and I used to love to go see, you know, Clemente play, or Richie. I loved watching Richie Allen hit. I, I used oh. to love to watch Richie, go to watch Richie Allen hit, or to go see the Giants. I remember being in '69, and we got Shamsky on later. He's mm-hmm. promoting something for this is the oh, 50th right. anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the game, and what people don't remember about the game when the Giants were in they, that classic oh. one nothing game with that went 14 innings with Marichal, Mays was sitting on 598. So there were Giant fans all over the building with signs for <laughs> Willie because they were hoping he'd hit two home runs that night and right. he'd have 600 home runs. He had 598 during that game. Uh-huh. So, you know, here he was in, and they were there were people in the stands the Mets are making their move, but they're rooting for Willie Mays to hit home runs because they're all old Giant fans in those days, 1969. Oh. You know the old Giant fans and Dodger fans used well, to come, fill the building. Fill it you know? up, fill it up. Yeah. So I saw Mays play probably 
You know, I was a Mantle guy, but I saw Mays play probably three or four times. But at that time, that late, the more imposing hitter was McCovey. It was. McCovey was a like killer at that. He was unbelievable I, in those years. I mentioned my grandmother. She grabbed me. We went out to Shea Stadium to see the Reds play one day. And we were watching batting practice and infield, which they don't do anymore. Right. I missed that. Oh. I, and outfield throws. Too. Yes, yes. Yes. I love to watch that. So we're watching this catcher throw these peas down to second base. And the guy said, hey, kid, who, who's, who's the catcher? And I'm looking at the program. Somebody named John Bench. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Little did we know. Well, how about that infield, right? In those days. I mean, I went in 63. My brother John again took me to the, he took me to the doubleheader at, at Polo Grounds. Mm-hmm. And I only went to Polo Grounds to the Little League twice and my brother once. And we went to a doubleheader in 63. And Pete Rose was in the doubleheader Cincinnati Reds. And what Duke position? Snyder, he was playing second base. Okay. Yeah, and, he, and it was 1963, and Duke Snyder was playing for the Mets at the time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. so I saw Duke Snyder play, because I never saw the Brooklyn Dodgers play. I never okay. saw Ebbets Field. I never saw the Polo Grounds. I, I went to Polo Grounds one time. I was one never time. at either one. Oh, I said the Polo Grounds for the Mets, never right. for the Giants. Right, yeah. And I never saw Ebbets Field. Uh, I saw the Polo Grounds, but I never saw the Giants at the Polo Grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw the Mets there in 62 with my Little League and 63 uh, twice. So I was in, Polo Gra- you know, in the Polo Grounds. Only two different times I was in the... In the boondocks. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, that's somewhere. where I was. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's you know, where, I've, you know, I've so. talked to a couple of guys who coach here, and this is a, a problem that I'm finding. Like Jerry Recco coaches baseball and Chris Lopresky. Right. And I, I coached, I didn't coach high school this year. I coached 10-year-olds. I said, am I the only one, but these kids are crying over nothing. And they said, oh, yeah, that, that's going around. I mean, I don't mean striking out with the bases loaded at the end right. of the game. I mean second inning, nobody on, striking out. They really? start, but they're crying like somebody shot their dog. Really? Because I always ask a kid when he strikes out, what do you get out with? So you can tell the rest of the guys. He's got a curveball. He's got a changer. And I, you can't understand them. They're crying. I'm like, but you didn't do It's just a game. Yeah. I, I, you know, well, I mean, I don't know what to tell you about that. I, mean, I, I, I haven't I, seen much of that. But that's – I got to bring tissues next time. <laughs> Gatorade and tissues. So, do you still coach now at all or no? Uh, not now. I was going to co- – they wanted me to coach – a township wanted me to coach a, uh, a travel, travel team. And I said, okay, I'm going on vacation. I come back. You know, but they never called me back, so I don't know if the team. Well, maybe you'll have a little time now. You may yeah. get back into Jerry, it, it Jerry Reckles, uh, Jerry has made an offer. For and you want to do? And you're going to do? Uh, thinking about doing a boxing book, huh? Um, it, it, it's, one, about one person or no? More it's of a, a era. It's, it's a book about uh, the, the title. The working title is "The Last Angry Negro." That would be me. My life in sports, politics, and other BS. All right, so it's just about oh, really? everything. Yeah, really. It's not the, the the life story of the fan. <laughs> how did you get to the fan? Tell me how you got to the fan. Russ Salzberg. Okay. I, all the years that I, uh, I was um, working at the City Sun newspaper, and then I was president of the New York Association of Black Journalists, and uh, an editor at uh, his station won an award from the, from the organization. So I called up Russ, and we started a phone conversation for years and years, and I was at Nick Media Day one day, and I introduced myself. And he said, Tony, I can't talk right now. I'm busy, but give me a call tonight. I got something for you. And he called me up, and he said, you know, the fan's looking for minority update guys. I don't want to do updates. And he said, well, why don't you go to see how the interview's done? I said, yeah, that, that was interesting to me because to see how interviews played, I'm not, there's no job here, I'm just coming. And I talked to Chernoff for like 20 minutes. We talked about politics, crime, education, kids, family. And the Super Bowl was that Sunday, I think the 49ers and, and the Bengals. And I said, I better throw some sports in it. Like, well, you know, the Super Bowl is coming up. And he said, no, wait, you're not a, you're not a, you're not an update guy. I said, well, what am I? I said, you're a host. All right. And he said, I might have something for you. That's famous last words. Everybody's got something for you. But to their credit, the late Jay Larkin of Showtime and Mark Chernoff said, we're going to give you a shot. And they did. And Mark said, I'll give you two tryouts, and if it works, we'll get for more work for you. And if it doesn't, it won't. I said, can't ask for anything more than that. You know, uh, My motto was always, give me a chance to fail. Just give, put me in the game. Don't put me in the game with so two what strikes. Was it, what was your first show, an overnight show? Always. 
Always. Oh. It, it, we never did. Have you ever done a day show here? No. The earliest I was on, I think it was eight o'clock at uh, eight o'clock at night. Really? Yeah. And and you know what? People say, well, "Don't you want to work in a day?" I said, to be perfectly honest, I I would have liked to, but then I never saw, seen my son get his first varsity base hit, really? and I wouldn't have been able to coach. I've coached him and. He, he was a great flag football player. I told him, I don't want you playing football. He wasn't big enough. But he, he hit with no gloves. He caught with no gloves. In, in rain, he just caught all the balls. He was, he was a very good defensive player. But I got to watch all that. I got to coach him. And, and I told him, when you get to high school, I ain't your coach anymore. You know, a lot of, like, you, you know, you're your kid's first coach. You're the one. Absolutely. Has, you tell them what's right, what's wrong. And then at some point, what's the problem with a lot of fathers today, you got to let go. You have to. If, you well, know, uh, so yeah, the, see, you have to. And I never wanted to coach. See, I, I, first of all, I couldn't. It's, it's be, hard uh, to coach. It, it's, 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 and it's even, it's hard to coach as a parent, I think, anyway. But then if you're doing what I do, it's very well, hard to coach. So no. I, I didn't want to ever coach him. And I always stayed outside the fence. And watch the game from the outfield. I, I tried to stay as far away but, as I could. Well, my son played travel. I didn't coach him. But I couldn't stand standing with the parents because everybody's kids, they rot. So I, I, I told the, the, the coaches knew I had some experience. Said, you, would you mind doing the book? I said, absolutely. Give me out of, give me, give me the dugout. That's fine. And, and, but the parents are a little, you know, all their kids are going to be a super duper yeah, star. Yeah, I mean, that's, there's too much of that, too. And also, there's too much of... Trying to get their kid a scholarship too. I mean, everything is about yeah. scholarships yep. now, and scholarships well, look, and scholarships. Look at, look at basketball. It's not high school isn't important anymore. Right. It's the AAU oh, yeah, team. They run everything. I mean, yeah. you, and, and now there's there's travel teams, but right. then there's elite travel teams. Yeah, and travel how, teams is a big. And issue. how much does that cost? It, the whole travel team issue is a is a very very. It's really taken the power away from the yeah. local high school. It course, has, you know, in every sport, it really has. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, couple more shows to go. Yep. You know, and uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. Before we say goodbye, Mons, put a couple of calls up for the let, – let, let's talk to a couple of daytime callers. Now, let's see if you might get your regulars. Might. Or you might get some of uh, our daytime callers who, you know, or maybe someone who's not up when you're uh, working, but who knows. We'll give you a chance. We'll get a couple of calls in for Tony before we say goodbye. I appreciate you coming in today. Hey, thank this. you for thank having you. me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. You, didn't have to you do know it. that? It's very nice. I'm glad you came in. All right. Robbie in Lennox. Mass is our first Uh-oh. caller. Go ahead, Robbie. Hey, Tony. Hey, Mike. How are you? Hey, Tony, How are you? I thought it was 3.30 in the morning right now. Good. <laughs> yeah, you got your clock set at the wrong time. <laughs> this one of your regulars? Yes, yes, okay. yes. He's a musician also. So how long have you been calling him, uh, Robbie? Tony, God, said 20 years. I've been calling the station <laughs> for 32 years. So at least over 20 when I was living doing radio in Pennsylvania. And it's funny because I did voice work for a show up here, and today was the last day, but my buddy was on. my JJ's buddy, my friend ever does a show up here. So he and uh, JJ went to Syracuse. So you're in together, all business. So. Yeah, it was. You know, I went to Emerson. In fact, my former broadcast partner was Tim Nevert. He's now with the Dodgers doing television and radio. So. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm still want to get back into it, you know. But uh, so, uh, yeah, Tone, thanks for all the years. And seriously, thank you for helping. He, uh, Tony uh, did a – my friend did a boxing documentary. So Tony and my buddy Jimmy Nussbaum on one time. He did a documentary on Jewish boxers. There's no more of those. There's a few. That's about it. Yeah. But, uh, and then um, I was going to say uh, all the years that uh, you uh, – kept me up to date with uh with, with Lou Donaldson so give him my best and uh, sax player. also uh and also I'm I'm so glad you got a chance to uh to meet with Tiki and talk to Tiki I may you rest in peace Tiki Bird and he was yeah. a terrific ball player unfortunately what happened to him but uh, I got to ask both of you because you're both older than I am I mean I'm 54 now but my question for you is you know you talked about Branch Rickey and the Dodgers and Jackie Robinson was my stepdad's hero and, and when he was growing up and uh 
Do you think there'll ever be a time when a guy will come along like a branch Ricky and change baseball back to the way it used to be? Motion in the game, stealing bases. No. I'm telling you, I saw a hit and run the no, other night. No, absolutely not. No, no, because what the home run, is they, they believe, and that's why, and thanks for the call, Rob, that's why they jacked thanks, the ball Mike, up, is because they thought, they think the home run sells. And I don't think it's selling. And, and the game has gone backwards in terms of attendance the last couple of years, and they've jacked the ball up like crazy, well, which you, everyone you, knows well, they're doing. Well, you and I know when, when a guy hit a home run, it was a big deal. Yeah. Now it's like everybody's got 20 home and runs. And now everybody can hit the ball in the opposite field for a home run. In the yeah. old days, only a three, four guys could hit the ball out of the ballpark to the right, the opposite field. Now everybody hits the ball out to the opposite I'm, field. I'm wondering who leads the league in hitting against the shift. That's the guy I want. I want guys like that on my team. You know, you've seen more of it this year where the guys at least have started to go the other way yeah. against the shift. They've started because I, when I said to Manfred, I said, are you going to have to put in legislation against the, against the shift? And he said, I think the hitters will take care of it themselves. I think they have started. I don't know if they'll be able to you know, continue the, the process. All right, let's get to uh, Bill in New Jersey. Bill, you're on with Tony. Hey, Tony, how are you? All right, Bill, how are you? Good. Now, let me ask you a question. Through all the years of baseball, when did the team, when, when did they all lose control and everybody buddy become a prima donna and you know you know what i mean when was when did we lose it when we lost the guys like mantle and maris and the guys uh, coming and they up were always that. prima donnas i mean you know they, they, <laughs> yes. but but you know they guys get paid more now you see what happened is the the money separated what yeah. happened is you had you had players making other than ruth who made ungodly money at the time uh, in, in the 20s he was getting paid. The average player is getting paid five thousand. Ruth's getting one hundred twenty-five thousand. So I mean, that's you know, that's a, a different uh, situation. But uh, now, and this is where they, they separated from the media is that at a time where they were making a normal wage, it got to the point now where they make yeah. insane amounts of money. They just separated more, fr- their, more friendly to each athletes. other. Yeah, too. Uh, separated. Now it's an us them thing because yeah. there, there's a separation between the players. And the media, because they're they're just you know their money separates everything, and they are making so much money now. Mm-hmm. You know it's ridiculous. I mean they're making hundreds how, of millions of dollars. These guys. How can can the sports sustain these contracts? They can. I, 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 and they can. Tony, I, I someone asked me, and thanks for the call. That someone asked me the biggest surprise uh, in all these years I've done this, and I said it's that we have seen sports grow and grow and grow and we've never seen it stop growing and what we didn't realize was that the tv revenue could support like the nfl still has another wave of the tv money the streaming money is going to be mm. so much more than anyone calculated that these contracts for these players are going to get big because they're going to get 50 percent of the gross the contracts are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because the money they're generating. I mean, you saw Jerry Jones say the contract, the Cowboys could be worth three times off the next contract what they are worth now. Do you three see, times. Do you see more football players and athletes in general doing what Andrew Luck did and come out a yes. little early? Because they're making Especially good money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's, what happens is, and you've seen it with some of them, is they get to a point and they say, I got here healthy. I'm getting out. Yeah. I made Andrew Jones probably banked over $100 million right. already. $120 million, I think it was calculated at $120-something million. And they left $250 million on the table. Right. But he did make $120 million in his career. Um, these guys, they get to a point where they say, I have all my marbles. Yeah. I'm healthy. I made a bunch of money. I'm getting out. Well, look, we were talking about boxing earlier. Guys used to have 100, 250 fights. The hey. 50 is like too much now. 
You see Mayweather. I, I stayed next to Mayweather at the Super Bowl. He was staying, okay. He was staying next to me. He had five vans. <laughs> he must have had. He had an elevator full of people who they, were like his bodyguards. They have a bag of money. He had. <laughs> he had so much of everything. Yeah. He had so an entourage that must have been 30, 40 people, and he had like eight rooms. And I'm thinking. So how you know? Think about how. What did he make on a fight? A hundred million dollars? You know? Oh, for, uh, no, uh, the more, Pacquiao right? two hundred. Yeah, two hundred million yeah. on one fight. That's one. On one fight. That's it. Think about that. Ali never came close no. to anything like that. Yeah, I wanted to make the major league minimum, which was sixty four hundred dollars. <laughs> if I said if I can make that much money in my life, I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, you think about you know it's funny. Moose Scarin told me once, you went down our bench, and if you were screwing around. I would go down and say to you, you're fooling with my World Series my money. My wife has spent that on, on the kitchen. <laughs> don't mess with my World Series money. Right. So don't you dare fool around or not make a play or a hustle or this. Uh, you're playing with my World Series money. I'm counting on that. I, I, I have that extension on my house. That's when they treated that playoff like money like a big deal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Clint Frazier fan. I like his game. I, like his, I know he's got problems in the outfield. Has he pissed off the Yankees? Yes, no yeah, question. Yeah, and the other players. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with players. Yeah, any of the players, uh, you know, he had, he actually, his agent, when they sent him down, actually, the story goes, called the Yankees and said, "You want to reconsider this?" Oh man! I mean, that's not going to oh, go over no. well. That's oh not no! No! Well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, so there's a cockiness kinda, there. Kind of wish you George Steinman was <laughs> around for that one. <laughs> Mike in Manhattan, what's up, Mike? Mike, thanks for having me on, brother. My pleasure. What's happening? Tony, what's up, my main man? Uh, are, are the uh, troopers following you? Um, I'm so this is another regular of yours? Okay. <laughs> he, always, he always has to hang up because the troopers are following him. <laughs> Tony, <laughs> Tony, tomorrow night, what, what, what round does um, Fury take him out? What, what round does Fury take out Whalen tomorrow night? If the fight goes longer than two rounds, it's a disgrace. The guy's a complete stiff. You're right. I agree. Listen, looks like November second is set for Canelo Kovalev. The big fight. Good fight. Big fight. I, I like. You want to know something? I, I like. Um. I like Kovalev. I like Kovalev. Who's what the best like? fighter in the world today, Tony? Right now, is there Ooh. one fighter you like to watch more than any other right, right now? I, I like Deontay Wilder just because he's so wild. Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford by far. Crawford's good. On the planet. But the bigger. Best fighter on the planet. Thank you, Mike. The bigger fighters still draw out of draw. Wilder is so wild because I did one of his fights after six fights, and I said, man, if he gets himself polished, he's never gotten polished. He brings the punches behind his head, and that's what I'm afraid of. But he can kick like a mule. Yeah. All right. Let me get one more in here. Bob in Milford, Connecticut. Bob, go ahead. You're on with Tony. Great, Tony. How you doing, Tony? Mike? I'm a big fan of both you guys. I drive into work with you, Tony, and I drive home <laughs> with you, Mike. Well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. And uh, one thing I want to say is that uh, I want to wish you a great retirement. Thank and you. I'm, I'm just very excited to get on the phone with you guys. But one thing I remember that stood out, you got off the subject a little bit one day, and, and you're talking about the Bronx, and that's where I was born and raised. And you started talking about kick the can. And, oh, my goodness, you brought back so many memories when you mentioned that. Thanks a lot, Tony. Have a great retirement, and thanks for letting Thank me you. call. Thank, Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Stickball. You know what I want? I want I Where want did you grow up? What block? South Bronx. Uh, South Bronx? And uh, Morris, by Morris High School, the Forest stadium? Project. But to my, to my, I used to, where the stadium is now, right. the stadium, where it used to be, there was a, a field across the street. That's right, what we sure. played. And the Bay right. Roof field across. Right. We played in Frankie Fish Field up right. in the Bronx, all that stuff. But, you know, I, I got a chance to, to ask you, because I ask everybody, big name we've had on my show, and I'm going to ask David Stern the same thing. What advice do you give to the youngsters who want to 
not be you, but get into this business. Or I always tell you, you got to learn how to write first. But but a hundred percent. And I tell my tell my kids that when they go to school, as they just start high school, the first thing I tell the kids is learn how to write a sentence, learn how to write mm. a paragraph, because it will yeah. carry you in this business. It, you still have to know how to do that. You have to know how to write. Because suppose you come up with an idea and you want to take it to your boss, and and, and it looks like slop when you care write it. What you do in life, you have to know how to write, and you know you have to be taught how to write a good sentence and a good paragraph. So yeah. you, know, you don't have to write a book, but you have to know how to write that. So learn how to write, and then I always tell them that. Being there, showing up, is 80% of it. Because if you go and you're diligent, you will get your break. It will happen. Somebody won't show up. Somebody yeah. will. You'll get your chance if you're there. And you got to be there. Being present is enormously important. And, you know, I'd say most of the people who get hired at a place like this or any place in our business, it's internships, okay, mm-hmm. more than anything else that gets you in the door. That's how you see people. They don't have a chance to find people. It's hard to find no. people. So, and when you, listen, I always tell you, tell people, you're going to get, I promise you this, that if you work hard and put in the effort, you'll get your opportunity. I can't tell you you'll be good enough when you get your opportunity, but mm-hmm. you will get your chance. Like you got your chance. Yeah. When you get your chance, take advantage. you might not get two chances. So that's right. That's right. People don't realize it, that. I'll get it the second time. No, you oh. might not get to. I promise you, you'll get your opportunity. But when it comes, you better jump on it. And you know, I remember when Coughlin was coaching, and people were griping because the meeting was started. It started eight. Early. Yeah, Coughlin's always early. get there early. Always, never please, be late. Please, and never be late. I, 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 my high school didn't have a football team. Real quick, and I played for the Buddy Young League until I realized. Sure, Buddy no, Young was the first. Was, and first that's one of George's buddies too. Yeah, was Buddy Young. Yes, but there was no future for a five. Eight hundred thirty-five pound defensive tackle. So that, that wasn't <laughs> going to work out. But the first meeting we had, we, you know, I showed up with a pad and a pencil, and the guy's writing the plan, writing the plays, and he says, "Is that the only guy that brought a pad and pencil?" I'm looking up. It's like me. Nobody else brought a pad and pencil. So I said, "Well, how are you guys going to remember the plays?" And it's just common sense. Come early and be prepared. Be prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it just you have to put an effort in. You do sense a little bit lately more when you talk to kids that they it's a little more that they have expectations about what they're going to get out of something. Oh, yeah. What's in and, it for me? Yeah, without, and, without putting in the work. Yeah, and that doesn't work. No, that, that's, no. Not, that's not going to work. All right, one more. Felipe in Bridgeport. Go ahead, Felipe. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Tony. Uh, yes. It's funny you saying that you were watching the boxing fights in the movie theaters. My father always used to tell me a story about Wilfredo Gomez versus Salvador Sanchez and how he, he went in the Bronx and it was so packed and hot he had to take his shirt off to watch the fight. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, and the reason I tell you this is because that's what I remember from my father is just the stories of what he says. You guys tell all these great stories about Tony, about the boxing, Mike, about your uh, experience in life. And, you know, I just want to tell you guys, uh, these young kids, we are listening, and we do remember all the stories that you tell that you tell us. So just keep on giving us good stories, and we really appreciate it. Well, thanks, oh, thanks very so much. I, appreciate I, it. My, my brother and I, we went to City College to see the first Duran and Leonard fight. So we're trying to find a seat that's packed, and we found these two seats in the bleachers. And we sat down and got real quiet around us. I said, we do something wrong. I don't, I don't know what happened. This guy turned around me, a Latino guy, said, you uh, for Leonard? So no, I mean, we're for Durant. Place went, Viva Durant! Yeah. Pa- again, passing the wine. Here you go. And You know, did anybody ever kill a reputation that had been honed oh. by such brilliant fighting than Durant in yeah. one, one bad moment in his mind? 
ruined his whole life. He did. He it did. really did because he had been as tough a fighter as anybody had ever seen. He fought a guy on CBS, Ray Lampkin, and he beat him up, knocked him out. And when the fight was over, he said, I'd like to apologize for my fans because I had a cold and he's going to the hospital. If I didn't have the cold, he'd go to the morgue. Who talks like that? And he Who was on, and then he got so frustrated that, you know, the no moss was, I mean, it ruined, it ruined him. It really did. And, and you who can't, was a tougher fighter than he was? No, I mean, he was, he's the closest to a, a godlike figure in the ring. I didn't see Joe Lewis, but R Roberto Duran, I mean, the one guy that beat him before, before Leonard, he knocked him out twice in rematches. And, and he was, like I said, he was this tough guy. And it was guy. amazing that, just show you one bad moment. Can, you, know, Again, uh, you can't yeah. walk that back. Absolutely. Not what he did. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks for coming well, in. You know, you didn't have to do this today. Appreciate uh, it no, very much. No, hey, look, thank you for having My me on. Pleasure. You didn't have to do it Good either. Good luck to you with everything. Thank okay, you. Okay, well, don't be a stranger, you I know? Will. All right, we'll see you along the way. Thanks right, very much. Thank pleasure. you, Michael. Enjoy your last couple of shows. I will. Thanks. Tony Page, back after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.